How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. You are listening to Boost and Baseball with Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Pull up a seat and sit with us at our bar. Let's talk some ball. And Derek, it has been a long time since we've talked some ball. It is good to be back. Uh, we've had a lot going on with our lives over the last two months. And uh, somehow, some way, even before this podcast, we almost had a time issue uh, because you're not used to me being on a different time zone as you. And specifically, I'm usually, you know, two hours behind you. Now I'm actually ahead of you by an hour. I did not realize Louisville uh, was on East Coast time. It's only like an eight-hour drive for me, which I'm on Central time, and I definitely thought you were Central time. So uh, I'm glad we could make it work. Obviously, life's been busy for both of us. Been doing a lot of stuff coming up. You moved. You got the new job. So uh, we should be making this more regular starting this week. Yeah, I'm I'm super stoked. We've talked about it for a while. Um, shout out to my new TV station, Wave. Um, you know, some TV stations don't approve of having side gigs or, or you know, just side hustles, if you will. This isn't really a side hustle. This is just something that Derek and I have put together for since 2020, believe it or not. I, I cannot believe that. Um, I, Derek's face kind of says it all right now. Uh, it, it's shocking. It's shocking that it's gone on for this long. And, um, you know, we've really wanted to make it a goal to grow this. And, uh give some in-depth analysis. And specifically, I think Derek and I are going to give you, the listener, a real opportunity to hear about our takes on baseball betting and fantasy baseball this upcoming season. Sure, we'll talk some ball, of course, uh, you know, outside of the realm of those two. But the value that we can truly give you, as Derek can probably hype on as well, we really firmly believe on this podcast that if you're at a bar and you're talking to somebody, you're probably talking about how your parlay bet didn't go right or how your fantasy player went down with an injury. And we are here to be there with you. Isn't that right, Derek? Absolutely. So what are you drinking today? Yeah. You know what? With, uh, with moving to Kentucky, there is no better way to start this new transition than a Woodford reserve and on the rocks. So I got to give a shout out to one of my friends and former producers from my last TV station, Courtney Vasquez. Uh, she gave this as a parting gift. Uh, a little funny because obviously I'm going to the land and now I am in the land where this is made everywhere, but um, it's just really cool that she got this for me. It's uh, it's one of those that is actually from 
Uh, I believe it's for sales, which you would think it's Versailles, but apparently that's a Kentuckyism uh, right there. Versailles, Kentucky is where Woodford Reserve is distilled. Um, we're going to talk all about whiskey during this year as well, because being in bourbon country and whiskey country, needless to say, this is going to be my expertise. So here's my little pour right here. It's in a Dodgers glass that my brother gave me for my birthday a couple of years ago. And Derek, I am ready to go to hear yours now. All right. You have to take as many chugs of that as Max Muncy hits home runs against the Giants <laughs> this season. Um, I would already off to a good start. <laughs> so I actually had my my beautiful wife, Stacy make me a drink for me. She's uh, been getting into like cocktail making, has a cool little cocktail book. She's been making fun drinks over the weekend. I was like, hey, can you make me something for the show? It is called Heart of the Dark Mist. Sounds like a very weird drink for me to be drinking. Um, she didn't get super into the specifics of of the exact, you know, ounce of this or ounce and a half of that or whatnot. I do have the what, what is in it, though. It is uh, lemon juice, Chambord, which I, I don't really know what Chambord is. It's a cool looking bottle. You should look it up. It looks like a bowling ball with like a stem on it. It's just some sort of like liqueur, raspberry liqueur. And then uh, a little gin in there, which you can use whatever you want. We have some Hendrix. We have some Bombay Sapphire here. You mix it all together. A little ice in there. It's delicious. It's delicious. It's uh, it's almost like a raspberry lemonade, to be oh. honest. Oh, that sounds really good. And did Stacey, makes sense. I mean, raspberry lemon juice. Yeah. Your your wife, Stacy. Did she? How did she learn this? I mean, where where did that come from? Where did the knowledge come from? She has a book. I think it's called Tequila Mockingbird. Is the name <laughs> of the book. So I'm sure you can find the recipe somewhere. I have always wanted to open a bar and have one section be a book theme. And specifically just for the reason to sell a drink called Tequila Mockingbird. So good for <laughs> her that she owns that. Derek, first one of the season. Cheers to you, my friend. Uh, the first of many. Super excited to see where this goes. And cheers to the Rays, man. They can't lose. Undefeated season incoming. What a way to start out. And uh, yeah, let's start right on that topic. The Tampa Bay Rays, a new season and man, what a new unit that they have right there. 13-0 at the time of recording. We are recording this on April the 13th. And quite frankly, I feel like, Derek, we could be recording this on June 13th and we'd still say they're undefeated. What, what in your eyes has worked for them thus far? I mean, just everything. The, the bullpen, they continue to just, you know, whether it's guys that we know about this year with Pete Fairbanks coming back and Colin Poche and uh, some of the returning guys are guys that we don't know about. The pitching has just been excellent from the relievers to the starters, which have barely been. I mean, unfortunately, Jeffrey Springs is injured now, but he's been electric. Drew Rasmussen has been electric to start the season. Uh, Taj Bradley comes in, makes his major league debut, and looked pretty good overall. Like the pitching up and down the board for the Rays has been there. And they have, you know, this is kind of the recipe from a couple of years ago. It's like, oh, they have enough hitting. Like they're not an elite hitting team, I don't think, but. You know, they, they have more than enough when you pair it with a really good pitching staff. Tyler Glass now, too. Uh, Wander Franco is looked pretty good so far to start the season. They, they're just a complete team. They have timely hitting. Um, as you mentioned, the pitching's great. The bullpen, man. I mean, we talked about the Rays bullpen for years now, and it just seems like there's not really a weakness on that team right now. It is super early. This is, of course, the time where we can over-dramatize everything, but it's hard to overlook 13 and 0. Now let's go on to our stat of the day, our chug and look back at it stat. And uh, while we're on the topic of the Rays, Derek, how about let's go back to the days of those Tampa Bay Devil Rays? We're going to go back 20 years 
from the day of recording. The Devil Rays beating the New York Yankees 2-1. to one. Now, I just want to kind of go over the lineup real quickly before telling you and understanding the relevance of why this matters. Well, you look at where the Rays are today. Back in that day, of course, they had Carl Crawford leading things off, and uh, they had a good they had Aubrey Huff as their number three hitter. Um, sure, we could talk about him all day. We won't. Um, but then the rest of the lineup is just a bunch of no-name guys. I mean, truly, guys that you probably overlooked in your MVP 2005, they may not even be in that game because very well they could have been cut. Toby Hall is a guy that's on that roster. Um, it's just, it's really bizarre to look back at this. Rocco Baldelli was their center fielder also on this team. Rocco Baldelli, of course, now with the Minnesota Twins. And their number two hitter in the lineup was Al Martin, which if you told me that that was their number two hitter, I'd be like, I, I barely remember that guy, you know? And the Yankees- No, Al, Al Martin is the name of the manager at the local Home Depot. That's yeah, not a real major league player. Exactly. He's probably selling you insurance. He's working at Home Depot, but somehow that dude was the number two hitter for the Devil Rays, as opposed to Alfonso Soriano and the Yankees. You had Jason Giambi, you had Bernie Williams, you had Hideki Matsui, Jorge Posada. That whole squad went up against the Devil Rays. Now, here's the significance, Derek, of this game from 20 years ago today, okay? It's, of course, early in the year then. Toby Hall delivered a tie-breaking sack fly in the ninth inning. It helped lead Tampa Bay to a 2-1 victory over New York, and it prevented the Yankees from achieving the best start in their 100-year history of the franchise at that time. So crazy 20 years later, and we are seeing the best start in Tampa Bay Rays history. I mean, it's crazy how life can go from point A to point B. The Devil Rays playing spoiler, and now all of a sudden, who the heck is going to play spoiler here? Yeah, and, and when you first did the throwback to 2003, I thought this was going to be – because actually 2003 was the last time a team even started 9-0. The Rays have surpassed that at this point. But funny enough, the last team to start 9-0 before the Rays in 03, it was the Kansas City Royals who finished 83-79. and Yeah, that's crazy. And, and it leads you to believe, I mean, basically from that stat, that seasons are not won in April, right? They can be lost in April – but they are not one in April. But the Rays giving themselves a pretty damn good cushion early on here. Uh, very impressed by what they've done. So that's a fun look back at it, Stat. But we're going to move on to where we're at today. The present. As Mike Ditko would say, you live in the past, you die in the past. So in the present, it's a new brew, a new season. Derek, we did not have a chance based off the move and everything to be able to pick our World Series champions. Uh, we're going to actually give the matchup that we believe on late in this show, but we're also here to give you betting advice. And remember, even with the season starting, you can still bet on the World Series champion. There are still futures. There's plenty of time. So with that in mind, what we're going to do is this. We're going to pretend we have $60 to work with. $30 can be allocated to one bet, 20 to another, and 10 to another. You use it however you want based off the odds that we're going to be using, which are on VegasInsider.com. They're pretty much the most accurate ones. You can kind of see across the board what FanDuel has, BetMGM, uh, Caesar Sportsbook. It gives you the whole range as well. Um, so we're going to be able to go through each one of these and see, and we're, we're going to pick based off what we see as the best option. So without further ado, Derek, I want to start with our three teams that we're going to pick, and then we'll allocate which of those three bets will go where, okay? So yeah. I want you to start with your three first. Who are your three teams based off the odds that you see that you want to go with? 
Okay, so the three teams I'm going to go with, the Texas Rangers, I like that they have higher up odds. They're at 50 to 1 on BetMGM. I, I like having the front ace with Jacob DeGrom. I like how they filled out the pitching staff. I like some of the star hitters. I love myself some Bruce Bochy. So uh, I like them a little down lower on the list. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting teams in kind of the, the 20, 25 to 1 range and everything. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Guardians at 30 to 1. I like the pitching. They always seem to have pitching prospects. We know they have a bunch of them that could be coming up this season in addition to what they already have up top. Um, I think they have enough young hitters from last year with like Andres Jimenez and, and some of the other infielders. Jose Ramirez is still a key cog in that lineup. I know Josh Bell's off to a slow start, but I think he'll pick it up a little bit that I kind of like what I see with the Guardians. And then I'm going to go with one of the higher-end favorite teams. I'll go with the Padres at 10 to 1. I like that. Um, and then we'll get to the 30, 20, 10 in just a moment. On, on my side, the, the way that I think I'm going to go about this is I, I have a team in mind I think is going to win the World Series. And so naturally, I have to go for that regardless of what the odds are. Um, I won't say who that is just yet. But uh, outside of that, there's two sleeper picks that I like as well. So without further ado, uh, one of my favorite bets across the board on this list, I just think the Arizona Diamondbacks – They've really impressed me early on here. They play scrappy baseball, but they play good baseball. They're fast. They are by far the fastest team in the league. It is not even close. And they can win on any given day in my firm belief. I, I think they really proved that uh, when they torched the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are a good team. I think the Diamondbacks proved their worth and more in that series, sweeping LA. And I love the speed. I think speed kills in football. They're proving to me speed kills in baseball too. So the odds that I can take with the Diamondbacks right now, it's 150 to one odds right now on FanDuel. That to me is a steal because at the very least, you're giving yourself at least positioning to be able to get a team that, hey, can make the playoffs, maybe make a late run. You saw the Phillies do it last year. I could see the Diamondbacks doing that this year. We're going to move up the list a little bit though. And it's kind of a team that I feel like I've believed in in the past. Um, Derek's going to start laughing because I never leave this team. They always seem to just kind of hover in my mind, but the Seattle Mariners are a team that I believed in for years and years and years. And I keep getting them wrong. Last year was the closest I've been to right with them. Um, I feel like they have the pitching to a degree when Robbie Ray comes back, the health is definitely the concern with that. Uh, but I expect them to make moves at the deadline to further strengthen this team. They're not going to waste away a Julio Rodriguez start. You've seen guys produce outside as well of just Rodriguez in the lineup. Uh, I, I think that they need to work on cashing in runs and runner, runners in scoring position. But I love the pitching. I think pitching wins 90% of the time, truly. And Luis Castillo is a guy that I trust. I think it's pretty safe with the odds that I'm given here, 25 to 1 with the Mariners. Love that. And then last but not least, uh, the higher pick for me as well would be the Toronto Blue Jays. This would be on Caesar Sportsbook. I get 13 to 1 odds there. Also on FanDuel and BetMGM, you can get 12 to 1 odds. So I just feel like that's the safest of those three. Those are my picks. So, Derek, 30, 20, 10, where are you allocating them? So I think it's smarter to do the lower numbers on the lower odd team. So I'm going to do the $10 on the Rangers at 50 to one that pay off $500 or 510 because you get your money back. I'm going to do the $20 on the Cleveland guardians at 30 to one. So you're looking at 620 coming back there. And then the $30 on the San Diego Padres at 10 to one. So that pay off at you basically you're getting 330 back. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm basically going to model that to a uh, great minds need to like here. And uh, I'll put $10 on the Diamondbacks. So the return on 10 bucks 
I mean, you're talking about 1500 bucks. That's insane to me. Um, for a team that I actually do believe can make the playoffs, uh, you know, a crazy hot run like what they've had at the start here. I'm feeling pretty dang good about that, actually. Then 20 bucks on the Seattle Mariners. Um, all of a sudden, you're talking about, hey, like I can get 500 bucks there. I mean, that's pretty amazing for a team that I think is at this point with the way the Astros are playing. And despite, of course, having Altuve healthy, um, I, I kind of love that bet. And the last but not least, the Blue Jays. They get the 30 to one or 30 bucks uh, on top of that. So uh, the fact that I'm kind of risking it for the biscuit with the Blue Jays, pretty clear indicator why I am. It's because I think that's going to be the best team in baseball by the end of the year. Um, and we'll make a deep run. And I just feel confident with my money going that direction. So, uh, Derek, anything that you look at on my side that you would fix or change? No, I uh, love the Diamondbacks one. I, I don't know that I would be as willing to go for the whole $10 on that, but I'll definitely be sprinkling a few dollars on my end of things on that because, yeah, the, the odds there are, are pretty crazy. I think the pick, you can go safe picks all you want, and uh, the Padres is as good as it gets. Um, I think 10 to 1 is actually still really good. Um, so I, I like that one of yours. Uh, I got to be honest, I think the Guardians, I mean, they proved a lot to me last year, and – that lineup, man, they can still produce quietly. I think they need to make a move at the deadline to really enhance that lineup. But when you're getting the odds at 30 to one on FanDuel, I mean, I, I really, really actually like those odds a lot considering the pitching. I, I firmly believe in pitching. The Rangers are an interesting one. They're very intriguing. They're very, very intriguing. I am interested by Josh Young. I think Josh Young can be a guy that, can step up in a huge way and be a massive difference maker. They just need to stay healthy. But considering the rotation that they have, if you look at the teams around them right now, I think they have a better rotation than the Angels, who have better odds than the Rangers. I think they have a better rotation than the Twins. Twins may be deeper, but I think top to bottom, I prefer the Rangers. Um, and you look at the Giants, the White Sox, I, I just I feel more comfortable in that pocket with the Rangers as well. So I like that pick as well now as far as fantasy baseball Derek we're going to transition to a bottle or drink because at the end of the day sometimes you walk down the hallway and you're just going to get your drink and you look at that pretty bottle out there and you think man that's got to be good because it looks so great but in reality sometimes what's inside is not that great right the drink itself may be great the bottle may not be so we're going to talk fantasy baseball is the bottle great or is what we're actually seeing inside great we're going to give our non-preseason top 100 players that are now top 100 in Yahoo. We're going to discuss them. We're going to give the player that we're drinking, the player that we're sipping, the player that we're dumping, and then we will end talking about one top 100 player from both the starting pitching and hitting side of things and who they still interest as far as where their value is right now. Maybe they ranked 98 and now all of a sudden you're like, man, that's a good second round value. So that's how we're going to start. Derek, we're going to begin with our non-preseason current top 100 Yahoo player that we are drinking. We're going to start with you. You have a hitter and a pitcher. Go right ahead, my friend. Yeah, so a non-preseason current top 100 Yahoo player. Um, right now, the one that I'm drinking, um, Luis Arias would be the one for me. He just continues to hit high average, and I think the lack of shift is only going to help him even more. He's off to an incredible start right now. He wasn't in the top 100 because some of the other skills aren't totally there, but he just takes over average for you. It takes over hits. He takes over all those things. It's such a boon to have him. 
Yeah, I I completely agree. You're you know, <laughs> you could chug that guy to be honest. The way that he just gives great average, uh, easy value to you in that category. Uh, the on base percentage, if that's in your your fantasy league, if that's a statistic, you run with that. Um, the thing that's interesting is he's actually contributing in the slugging category, which is not what he's normally known for. So to offer that value, I think is substantial. My hitter is Ryan Mountcastle. And uh, there's a little bit of bias here um, in the keeper league that Derek and I have. I was shopping him all off season and I had nobody offer me anything. Okay. We keep 20 players. So in a 10 team league, that meant that nine other managers thought that their 20 guys were all better than Ryan Mountcastle. And I couldn't get any value for him. Somebody proposed me a trade. Uh, Derek can probably figure this out very quickly what it was uh, or who sent it. But I was proposed a fifth round pick for Mountcastle and a seventh round pick in our league where we keep 20 players. So that's where the value of him was seen as. Um, the value that I see him at now is a guy that can hit 30 plus home runs again. And he's done it once before. Um, he was ranking last year very high in barrel rate. And I couldn't understand why he had such a massive drop-off. And now that he is a lineup around him, I think with Adley Rutschman, uh, I know Gunnar Henderson hasn't been hitting particularly well yet, but even having the name, having the presence, and having Austin Hayes hitting well, I just think Cedric Mullins at the top of the lineup. There are guys around him where he's going to be able to drive guys in. You saw this past week, he had a grand slam with guys on. If they get on base, I think he's driving them in this year. All right, pitcher Derek, who are you drinking? Uh, by the way, I do think on Mountcastle, be careful though. He was a streak hitter all last year. So what? you might want to sell him high here. Uh, but anyway, Drew Rasmussen is the guy for me. Jeffrey Springs got hurt. And then he Rasmussen has kind of slid under the radar because of what Springs has done, but he's been just as excellent as well. He put up great numbers last year. The strikeout numbers weren't unbelievable, but the ERA was good. Some of the, the lower tier metrics were good, the way up, all that stuff. He seems to be adding another level to that. I love watching me some Drew Rasmussen. I am fully chugging what he's doing this season. I like the fact that he's pitching on a team that knows how to win. Um, as the win category seems to be more difficult to acquire in fantasy baseball, I'm starting to chase guys that give me quality starts and give me wins. That's Rasmussen in a nutshell. I really like that one as well. Uh, starting pitcher for me, I think Jesus Lazardo. He's starting to come out of his shell to be the guy that really, quite frankly, all of us saw coming. It was just a matter of when, not really if. It's still amazing to me that Oakland parted ways with this guy. Um, he would be by far the easiest ace in the world in that rotation this year. It's nuts to me that that's where they were at. But here we are. Miami Marlins already 18 and two-thirds innings pitched. He's 2-0, and 20 Ks. The ERA is under two. Uh, two quality starts. I think that this is a guy that I can drink moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that with Lizardo, I was kind of out on him as of two years ago because I didn't love the pitch mix and nothing really jumped off the page. He was throwing flat balls. He changed up his pitch mix like a year ago, and that led to a tangible difference for him. And yeah, he is legit now. Um, on to non-preseason current top 100 players that you're sipping. So maybe not as much as, as chugging. Uh, for the batter side, I'm going to go Jared Kelenic. I am very intrigued by this young guy breaking out. I thought he was done. I... You know, I I was kind of out on it, and I get it. It's like, oh, but he still was coming into his age 23 season. Okay, but how often do you see guys who, like, are not just 
it's not just that he like struggled or was below average. Like he was really, I mean, he had a five, what, 534 OPS last season. It was, Um, it, it was really, really bad. And like, We've seen other young players who had high pedigrees come in and struggle. I mean, Victor Robles, Robles is playing a lot right now for the Nationals, but, like, he's a perfect example. You kept going to the well there going, oh, eventually he'll break out. He never did. At some point, you had to show it in really your first two years, three years. It seems like he's finally having that resurgence. I am a little nervous because the K rate is still kind of high at 27%. But if he keeps it around there as opposed to in the 30s where it's been, um, like last season it was at 34%. I think that's good enough for, you know, the average won't stay at 351. But if he's even like a 250 hitter with good power, um, solid on base percentage, he's definitely someone who can stick in your lineups and be a keeper long term. Scouting nowadays is way more correct than they ever were before. It's crazy to me that Kellenic was so highly scouted and, and believed to be a superstar. There's got to be some actual value to that that scouts had seen for years with this kid. Um, so yeah, I agree. I'm sipping on it. I don't know if I fully buy into him just yet. Um, but he's hitting bombs that are over 450 feet. Uh, this kid definitely has the raw potential. I just wonder, can he sustain it? And also, you know, pitchers manipulated it once before. What if there's a kink in the swing now too, that they can find later in the season, the more tape you get, the more difficult it is. So yeah, I I'm sipping. He's definitely got a monitor, but I, I agree. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent in yet, but I'm more in than out on him as for a hitter on my side. It's kind of the same explanation. And it's also the same team as well. Ty France just continues to be a talk of this fantasy podcast um, because I don't think we know what to do with him. He's positionally one of the best players you can own because you can stack him anywhere in your infield. Um, He's going to hit for a pretty decently high average. But the question is, what are those counting stats going to look like with Ty France? Right now, we're pretty happy with it if you're an owner. I mean, Ty France had yet another explosion that he seems to have at least once a year. Uh, he's He's beginning to give that at least, but... Even though he's hitting with a slugging percentage of 518 on base percentage of 419, he only does have one bomb. So I do wonder if the power is still just going to be kind of limited to maybe 20 home runs being his ceiling. Uh, But the doubles, man, he's got six doubles already, 20 hits. Uh, This guy is going to give you kind of what I saw DJ LeMayhew's value being um, a couple of years ago. I think you're getting the same value from him. So I'm sipping him. I, I think that you're still getting value from him. All right, this one I'm really excited for. This is a uh, pitcher that um, I think I accidentally had in sipping, but I meant to put this in drinking because Nick Lodolo, so there was a really good piece written in fan graphs by Michael Bauman on his start to the season and how, you know, you look at last season and from August through October, he started 11 games. He had a 3.32 ERA. Uh, he had really good numbers, K rate, walk rate and all that stuff. So far this year, he has like a 15K per nine. He has been unbelievable. I hate the fact that he has to pitch in Cincinnati. Like, that sucks. But this article goes into the fact of when you look at what he's doing well right now, the horizontal movement combined with the lefty side armor with the amount of extension he's getting, you know who two similarities those are? Probably Chris, Chris Sale Hill. and Randy Johnson. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that, that that just blows my mind. Yeah. I That's... am in love with Nick Rodolo, no Lodolo. I tried to get him in our dynasty league before the season, but the manager who has him doesn't really like to make trades with people. Um, <laughs> so unfortunately I was unable to do that. But I'm I'm all in full steam ahead on Nick Lodolo. 
Lodolo went to a great university as well. I might add that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all, I, I probably would actually be drinking Lodolo as well. I, I like his value. I think that his upside is incredible, man. Um, it's just durability. That's all you really have to hope for is he can stay durable. And yeah, pitching in Cincinnati, that is a tough place to pitch. On my end, a pitcher that I believed in for a while, and it's kind of the same explanation that I had for Ty France that I'll have for Pablo Lopez. Lopez, starting pitcher for the Minnesota Twins, he's always had the ace potential. He has the swing and miss. He has that great changeup. I really like the fact that he's able to go out and go deep in games. Uh, quality starts are kind of his thing. And it seems like in Minneapolis, he's finding a home already. Something that didn't cross my mind with that uh, that move was that he's facing way, way easier lineups, right? He goes from the NL East, where he's on probably the worst lineup in the league uh, in, in terms of just top to bottom, right? So he's facing teams that are way, way better offensively than his. He goes to a team that's probably, you could argue, the best lineup in that division. Um, he has to face the Guardians, who are more of a pitching-focused team. The White Sox that just can't seem to get it together one way or another. Then you have the Royals and the Tigers. I mean, he gets to face these teams, and granted, he faces them less than he normally would because of the change in schedules for the MLB. But I just like the value considering the division he's in, who he's facing day in, day out. And I like the team he's on. I think the Twins are actually in a really good trending direction right now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I actually really like his value. I'm sipping on it. Do I think he's going to end up being a top 10 player like where he's at, ranked right now? No. But I could see him cracking the top 75 maybe. Yeah, you know I've always loved Pablo Lopez. And what I love even more this year, it's he added that sweeper. The, I, I feel like a lot of the Dodgers pitchers started doing that last year. It kind of became popular. And he hadn't thrown it before. And now all of a sudden it's his second most thrown pitch. Batters are hitting 071 against it. We'll see how people adjust um, because – you know, the longer he throws it for the first time, more people are going to start working on it. But that's been a nice improvement for him. On to the non-preseason current top 100 Yahoo players that you're dumping. So guys, you're not as much into. Uh, for me, I'll start with the hitter, Yandy Diaz. Yandy Diaz is is kind of like the Eric Hosmer of third baseman. I think he's a little bit better than that. But, you know, he's he's been someone who doesn't always hit for power. He hits the ball hard, but he hits it into the ground too much. And so far to start this season, like I think it took him, it was like 30-something plate appearances or at-bats to reach the same amount of home runs that it took him last year, like 100-and-something at-bats. So, like, he's been off to a good start. I just, when I see guys like this, there were times where Eric Hosmer um, was really hot for whether it was the Royals or the Padres because he would lift the ball. But that never sustained, like – he would always at some point default back to that. And, and I've seen this before with Yandy Diaz. He'll get hot for a few weeks, and then at some point he'll default back to hitting a lot of ground balls, and it'll cost him. So I, I'm not buying the, the breakout Yandy Diaz season. Well, and I you kind of already mentioned it a little bit there, but we have seen this before. You know, we've seen his chaotic rise to what everybody was talking about, which was the launch angle. Was He was like a prodigy of that. Um, the fact that his contact is incredible. He's a good hitter. He is a good hitter. If you go to his baseball savant page right now, I almost, this may convince you otherwise, but it is red almost all over. However, but that's how it always is. It's that's how, how it always is. is. Exactly. It's always like that. And 
he might be the most deceiving player in baseball because you're a hundred percent right. He hits the ball hard, but it just never seems to find the hole. Um, you know, maybe the shift is working in his favor a little bit here, but I don't really buy it that much either. Um, I will say too, because the rays are so hot that he's probably caught onto that hot streak a little bit. And that plays a bit of a role too. You never know once they hit kind of the dead days of summer, what's going to happen to his bat as well as the supporting cast around him. So at this point, the rays, you know, they are hitting out of their mind and there are some guys I truly in that lineup believe are going to continue to do that. Uh, but that's more of the guys like Wander Franco. Um, Yandy is 31 years old. He has not done this at all in his career as far as hitting consistently. So I, I, I'm there with you on that. I, I don't really see a ton of future value. But, hey, you know what? In fantasy baseball, might as well ride the wave until otherwise, right? Um, on my end, I would say Glaber Torres is a guy that is going to be on my dumping list. Now, here's the thing. He is barely outside of the top 100 preseason rankings, right? He is 103. Theoretically, in many leagues, he might be a keeper. He, to me, is one of the most annoying players in fantasy baseball to own. Why is that? Well, he was number one, one of the top five prospects ranked uh, a couple of years ago um, to be one of the best players in baseball. He then drops 38 home runs, and you think, okay, well, he's going to do this year in, year out. And his drop-off was substantial, right? And so to see him coming out hot like this, we saw glimpses of this in the past too, but this he never sustained it is, is kind of the issue that I have. Um, on top of that too, he hasn't faced great pitching yet. And when he does, I think that that's when you're going to see the numbers drop off a tad bit. I also just have not been a believer in Glaber uh, from a fantasy perspective because he offers no speed. And so you're wholeheartedly relying on the power, right? And if the power doesn't stay, then you're going to have some issues. So I, I think Glaber offers value as far as being in fantasy baseball. I don't think you're going to necessarily have him a free agent, but I'm dumping him as far as being a top 100 player. I, I do not buy it. His hard hit rate is right in the middle at 50%. Um his expecting batting average has been pretty high so far. Uh, we have not seen anything like this, though, um, in his history. He is a young player. He's 26 years old. Uh, but the drop-off that he's had over the last couple of years is a huge red flag to me. And the fact that his average exit velocity is 73, it's not as you know high in the upper echelon as what you may hope for a guy that's going to give you straight power. That's the issue I have. He is walking at a very high rate. So if you're in a non-base percentage league, that may be something to consider. But outside of that, you know, as far as fantasy value, I think that the peripheral numbers aren't valuing, aren't something that I value. Let's just put it that way. Okay, on to a pitcher. Um, I'm going to go with Sonny Gray. Uh, Sonny Gray so far through three starts has a .53 ERA, got over a 10K per nine, looking really good. Minnesota really heats up during the summer. I mean, not to the level of, you know, 100 degrees or anything like that, but compared to where it is now, there, there was just like snow on the ground like a week or two in Minnesota. There's going to be a big difference in terms of just the air density and the ability for balls to go deeper. He's got a 94% left on base percentage for his career. His uh, average is 73%. It's only been three starts. Obviously, you expect, you know, some weird stuff like that to possibly happen. His expected ERA right now is 426 his expected FIP is 
Listen, Sonny Gray is a solid pitcher for you to have as one of your like ancillary pieces. He'll probably be a top 200 player. Maybe he'll end up top 150, but stay away from him being top 100. That's not going to happen. My exact explanation on Sonny Gray will be the same as the guy that I'm also going to bring up, which is Marcus Stroman. Uh, You're talking about two slightly different pitchers, but offering roughly the same value. I would say that Gray has a little more strikeout potential and Stroman maybe has a little more potential to go deeper in games. Um, But at the end of the day, I think both of them have the same red flag, which is they play in an area where it heats up, as you had mentioned. And also, neither one has sustained success throughout the season, health-wise, success-wise. I don't think we've seen them put complete seasons together in a very long time. Um, Both of them had fantasy value that was exceptional in their early portion of their career. Uh, Marcus Stroman is very interesting because his starts have come against teams that generally speaking are light hitting teams. He pitched against the Milwaukee Brewers on opening day. He goes six innings. He goes against the Texas Rangers team. That's still trying to find a little bit of consistency offensively. And then the Seattle Mariners, he lost against them. Um, he did still have a good performance against them. Uh, the The thing that I'm really intrigued by with him is the fact that he's striking out more guys uh, than he had ever has before. And I just don't see that continuing because His K per nine usually hovers in the sevens to six range. Um, He's going to give you quality starts occasionally. If you're holding him right now as he should be rostered right now, he will face the Oakland A's. He'll have another great start. And that is when you should sell because after that, he's going to start running into lineups that are actually going to punish him. And I just don't see the sustained success from him because he hasn't proven it in the past. Um, And so you know, his expected ERA it ranks in about the top 75%. That's pretty dang good. Uh, but none of his peripheral numbers really shout to me outside of maybe his spin rate on his fastball. Um, his walk percentage is frightening. And walks will kill you later in the season. He's also 31 years old. I think I must have an issue, Derek, with the 31-year-olds. But uh, Marcus Stroman, <laughs> I, I can't explain it. But I, I just I don't believe in this guy. Um, and he pitches for a team that I don't think is going to win a lot of games as well. Yeah, I, uh, I can get on board with some of that stuff. Okay. What about a a preseason top 100 and a current top 100 that interests you? So they have to be, uh, kind of in both. Um, I'll start with a, uh, a hitter here. Um, I don't know, man. I, I guess I could go positive or negative. If I'm going negative, like what is going on with Juan Soto? Is he just not good? But that's not as fun. I'm going to talk about the positive. Max Muncy. Um, is Max Muncy back? The slugging percentage is insane. The on-base percentage is insane. Average still isn't great, but he was never like a big average guy. He was on base. He was hitting home runs, stuff like that. Last year was a terrible season for Max Muncy. And obviously he had the injury at the end of the season before. Did that have an effect on his preparation, on his training, even into the season last year? He looks really good at the start of this season, but my general question is, is Max Muncy back? Or did he just have a good series against the Giants who he always kills? Yeah, You know what I mean? Because if he is back, right. he's a clear top 100 fantasy player. But if he was just, you know, continuing to torment the Giants, which he always does, then I don't really know what to think of him. I'd almost go with the latter. Um, you know, he struck out five times in one game. That is 
absolutely unbelievable. Um, for a while, Dodgers fans were calling for his head. You know, they were saying he should be hitting eighth in the lineup. I, I'm included in that. Then he ran into the Giants, and the Max Muncy of old just came out of nowhere and torched the Giants. And and it's true. Maybe he just has this vendetta against the Giants. I, I can't figure it out, but he torches them. He always has. And I, I just, I need to see a little more from him before I have any firm belief. With Juan Soto, it's... it's so hard to figure out uh, in our league, a manager traded almost his entire team for Juan Soto. (laughs) And, you know, in that trade, you think we're being hyperbolic, but we're, we're legitimately not. It was like 12 players. Yeah. Derek, if you want, while I talk, if you want to find, or maybe I could find what that trade was. Yeah. Yeah, Try to find that trade. That is a talking point trade. And we're just going to call him out because we kind of want to see if he listens to our podcast too. Um, if uh, if he's listening, Paul is the manager, and uh, it was quite quite the interesting move that he made a year ago, uh, or maybe it was two years ago. Either way, Juan Soto is a good first round value. I think he still is going to offer tons of value in the on base percentage, but he he scares me a little bit. Um, he's very reckless, and he's giving me a lot of Javier Baez flashbacks almost. Um, because it was- I've got it here, by the way. You have it? Okay, what was the trade? Yeah. So uh, Juan Soto, Joey Votto, and Luke Voigt. I don't know why Votto and Luke Voigt were as <laughs> part of this and a couple of draft picks um, were traded to that manager who acquired Juan Soto. And what he gave up was JT Real Muto, Freddie Freeman, Starling Marte, Cody Bellinger, Jose Abreu, Nolan Arenado, Aaron Nola, Joe Musgrove, Jacob deGrom, Chris Sale, a first and a third round pick in our first year player draft. Slash oh, wow. That's even worse than I thought it was. I didn't know Aaron Otto was a part of that deal. Mm. Wow. That's bad. It's tough. That's really bad. But, if Soto was the guy that he was like two years ago, you know, or even just like, I don't know, a year and a half ago and long term, because we do have a certain amount of keepers you can have it's not a full dynasty league where you just keep everyone then it could make sense if you rebuild your depth over a year or two with the draft and free agency pickups and stuff like that but because he's not because right now Juan Soto ever since he got traded to the Padres like he's not hitting for average he's hitting too many ground balls it it, the trade looks really bad yeah it's that's shocking I did not know Arenado was involved in that honestly DeGrom being in that too Sheesh, that is brutal. Um, <laughs> his stat line right now at the time of recording, 217 average. The on-base percentage is still good, man. 368, but a 478 slugging. That That is not going to cut it, um, especially for a first-round value. And so, yeah, I, I have some question marks there. Uh, from my negative standpoint, I guess as far as guys that were pre-ranked uh, from the batters uh, initially at the start of the year, and, you know, you look at first-round value, you look at second-round value. Um I guess a guy that maybe is concerning me just a little bit early on here is Bobby Witt Jr. Um, And granted, this is more so for a one-year league than it is for a keeper league. I firmly believe Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be the truth. I think he's going to end up being a top five player in fantasy baseball. But his stat line initially is a little concerning. Uh, 229 average. He's on base percentage 288. 396 he hasn't faced great pitching either um you know he's faced the twins who have been all right 
the Blue Jays, who have a decent rotation, the Giants and, and the pitchers, I believe you faced against the Giants weren't particularly like their top guys either. Um, and uh, he, he's caught fire in the last two games, three games. So maybe that's a quick turnaround. It's just a little concerning uh, to see that average and base percentage as low as it is for a guy that, you know, you're kind of hoping from a preseason, he's 19. Um, that's not the value you want to get. Now, it, with that being said, he's a guy I'm still watching because I, I think he's going to be fine. Um, a guy, though, on the positive side of things that maybe is going beyond my expectations that I owned in a keeper league that I'm a little upset I traded away, but I did get O'Neill Cruz and who could have seen the injury coming this year. But it's Randy Arozarena. Uh, Arozarena looks really, really good in the WBC. And he looks really, really good right now, too. And it kind of goes back to the whole, well, is it just the Rays are unconscious right now? Or is it the real Randy Arozarena we're seeing that not only can he steal, not only can he get on base, but he's hitting for power, too. Three home runs, three doubles, 15 RBIs already, Derek. 15. 319 average. Uh, slugging percentage of 574. I, I really like what's happening here. A Rosarena could be giving us value in the top 2025 right now. Okay, on to a pitcher. Um, if I went negative, I'd go Sandy Alcantara. What's going on there? Um, strikeouts have never really been like a huge thing for him, but they're down even more than normal. And obviously, he's given up some run production too. But more in a positive light, Seth Lugo. You didn't know what to expect from Seth Lugo. He obviously did not start in the preseason top 100. He's in the top 100 right now. And this is a guy who, you know, has been a reliever like all his life. And he's been a very effective reliever for all that time span. But it was like, hey, he's 33 years old. Is he really going to make that jump to being a good starter? And so far, yes, he has been a really good starter. He's 2-0 with a 1.3 ADRA. It's only been two starts, but 13 innings pitch normally – the guys who come over from relievers to starters, it's like, ah, maybe he's going to pitch four or five innings in, in the first few games. No, he's been he's been going deep in games. He's got a one flat whip. He's got an insane curveball right now. I've been really impressed with Seth Lugo, and I, I I don't expect obviously you know him to be a Cy Young winner, which those numbers with one point three eight ERA would have. But I expect him to be around for the long haul. Like I expect him to be a very solid pitcher the rest of the season. Yeah, Lugo looking good so far, and uh, maybe it's just because of the consistency. He he hasn't had a chance to really have a consistent spot in the rotation, and and sometimes the change of scenery can do that too. Um, I imagine pitching in San Diego has got to be a pretty nice change of scenery right about now. Uh, on my back end, I would say guys that are really concerning me. How about two of the top four preseason pitchers, Corbin Burns and Aaron Nola? Burns a five one nine ERA and Aaron Nola and ERA over seven. Um, Nola's looked really bad. He might be the one that concerns me the most. Uh, you know, he goes three and two thirds innings against Texas. Uh, he has an okay start against the Yankees, and then he goes against Miami and doesn't look good either. Um, he's 0-2. Uh, I, I don't know, man. It, you know, pitchers live and die sometimes, like their their lifespans quickly change. And I'm a little concerned that him having as long of a year as he did last year, you know, the actual real life impact of having to pitch throughout a postseason and, and something he hasn't done before, right? He hasn't gone to the World Series until this last year. You you wonder if maybe the time frame has changed it a little bit for him. I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Um, concerning. Corbin Burns concerns me because he was unhappy going into the season. Obviously had the dispute with the Brewers. Now he's not looking sharp either. A K per nine, under nine. Um, still expect him to produce, but 
it raises a bit of a red flag. A guy that's raising a green flag, though, it continues to be Julio Arias. Uh, Arias maybe not getting necessarily the run support that he's used to getting. The Dodgers look a little different this year. They look beatable. Um, and Arias continues to look like a guy that's really, really hard to beat. And he's a guy that's going to deliver quality starts already has delivered three on the short season, a caper nine at exactly 10 flat, um, whip under one ERA one fifty. What can you ask more from a guy, uh, than what Arias is delivering? And I, I think that he could end up being in the Cy Young conversation. Yeah. I love both of those. Um, he is just like Max Muncy, a guy who torments the Giants. He, he is, and uh, he, he's going to torment, I think, I think a lot of the rest of the league as well. So if you're a fantasy owner, uh, don't make the mistake I did and trade him away like I did last year. That was a very, very poor decision. Well, with that in mind, we are going to our last call. Derek, this is big, man. We did not have a chance at the start of the preseason here to give our World Series picks. So we are going to give our World Series matchups and our champions as well in 2023 the odds they do not matter here okay we're just going from a straight baseball perspective Derek Johnson who is winning the world series over who in let's just make this fun in how many games too okay so I'm gonna have fun with mine uh I'm gonna go with the Padres into the world series I'm a little surprised the Dodgers have higher odds than the Padres right now to win the world series Uh, when you just look at the two games played how they're constructed roster wise right now um, I, I guess part of that is just based on history and stuff, which makes sense. You know, the, the Dodgers have earned the benefit of the doubt, I guess. But uh, I really like the Padres between the depth of the pitching staff through the starting five, the lineup, especially if Soto does ever get going here. So I'm going to pick them to win the National League. I'm going to pick the Texas Rangers to win the American League. I do think it's kind of open there. I think, you know, the Yankees are, are the favorite with the Astros and stuff. Bit of a slow start for the Astros. But I don't know. I don't I don't view either of those teams as just like unbeatable right now. And I think the Rangers with DeGrom at the front, if they can get through and have him healthy for the postseason. I like some of the other pitchers they have. Eovaldi's experience in the postseason. Heaney had a tough first start, but um, I think he'll he'll get it together as the season goes on here. I like some of their pitchers. John Gray, too. They have the star hitters to help you through a postseason. We've seen what Corey Seager can do. Obviously, he'll be missing a little time with the injury, but, you know, that won't prevent him from uh, the home stretch of the season and everything. Marcus Simeon had a slow start last year. He's had a slow start this year. We'll see if he gets going. I'm going to take the Rangers to win through the American League. And then we have the Bruce Bochy Bowl. Bruce Bochy formerly coached the Padres before he coached the Giants. Now he's going to be going against his former team as the manager. Bruce Bochy wins the World Series. Rangers over the Padres, 4-2. to Wow. Wow. That is a bold pick. I love that. Um, Man, I think you might, outside of Rangers fans, be the only person to pick the Rangers to A, go to the World Series, and B, to, to, to win the World Series? Let's wow. do it. Wow. All right. Well, I, you know what? Bruce, Bruce Bo- Bochy is hard to, to bet against. So um, mine is maybe it's definitely not as fun as that one. That one is, that one blows my mind. Um, that one is a drunk pick and I love it. Uh, I I would say mine is more of a sipping kind of pick, right? Um, two teams that I believe kind of from the start of the year, you could see win the world series. Um, they've been in the conversation before. I think this is the year, though. You're going to see the Atlanta Braves go back to the World Series again, but they're not going to win it, okay? I think Max Fried will come back healthy and play a big role in that. Uh, the rotation, they've got so many pieces, man. They're they're so deep. Uh, minor leagues, I think Soroka is going to come back. 
and who knows? They, they got innings from all over the place. I mean, the Braves can get guys to go out there. I would recommend not putting Dodd out there, though. Dodd looked terrible on Sunday Night Baseball. But they've got so many other guys that I, I, I believe in this lineup. I believe in the team. Um, you know, they're consistent. And I, I think that they're going to go up in the World Series. They are going to lose in seven games to the Toronto Blue Jays. It is about time that the Blue Jays get to that next level. We've been talking about Blue Jays for years, man. I mean, this is a really talented team across the board. And it's something to be said about storylines. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Jordan Cachelli. Um, she will probably be on this podcast at some point in time. But she tweeted out the other day that she was going to eat a poutine hot dog every single time that the Blue Jays hit a home run. <laughs> And then they like broke the record for home runs. So she had to eat like five hot dogs, like poutine hot dogs in open day. I mean, that that's Derek, that is nausea in, in the making. <laughs> she she ended up donating a hundred dollars to the Blue Jays charity, which was really, really cool of her to do that. Um, but to be able to see a team perform the way the Blue Jays have. Uh, they've got the pieces across the board. They've got the pitching. They've got a lineup that's as good as it gets in the league. And the bullpen. I mean, when you have the guys coming out of the bullpen that they have, I, I feel like it's locked down in the ninth inning. Um, as far as when you see leading up to the ninth inning, they've got some good lefty and righty arms too to pair with that. Uh, I need to see Manoa showing out a little better than what he's done. Uh, Manoa's scaring me just a tad bit. I'm a fantasy owner, so... He's concerning me, but ultimately, I mean, I, I just think this is a complete team and they're in a division where, you know, when Jordan Romano comes out, it's game over in my eyes. So um, I, I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to get a ring. I think Bo Bichette's going to Jr. if you will. He's the junior technically. It, it's, it's Bo Bichette of the family of Dante. It's the young children that are going to now get the, the rings. They're, they're the next crop. Um, and uh, I, I think that this is a team that across the board just has the pieces to be really, really a championship team. And um, they haven't been underperforming. I feel like they've gradually been getting better year to year. But with the renovations, with the feel that Toronto has been given this year, I just think that there's something to be said about this team, man. That, that's a World Series team. So Blue Jays in seven. Okay, I'm I'm with it. I mean, you you look at the uh, depth of the pitching staff. Uh, they've been signing pitchers out of free agencies really the last two years to build it up. Kevin Gossman leading the way, possibly winning World Series MVP to make me <laughs> even more sad because this is the year of me being sad with Aaron Judge just ruining my Giants. We tried not to bring it up this in this podcast. We really, yeah. really tried not to. <laughs> so it'll be perfect. Uh, actually, what'll probably happen? We'll get a Blue Jays Dodgers World Series and Kevin Gossman. Uh, either the Dodgers will win or Kevin Gossman will win World Series MVP and I'll be sad in one way or another. Derek, you need to go and watch some Kansas basketball, man, uh, from, from a year ago, not not this past yeah. year. T Derek and I are still recovering from the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Anyways, that is our first, Derek, of what should be many this season. Uh, really excited for the 2023 season. Any last thoughts before we sign off? No, man, I'm just excited. We're back at it. Baseball season is here. Grab a drink, enjoy some baseball. Grab a drink, enjoy some baseball. Grab a drink with us, of course, next time as well. Uh, on behalf of Derek Johnson, I'm Dusty Baker. Thanks for pulling up a bar stool and hanging with us. 
Let's still go and get that drink, Derek. Let's get it in two weeks. We will talk to you then. Until then, though, cheers.